Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Well, welcome, folks, to what is episode 182 of Real Hawk Talk. You've got me for now. You've got Brian on the audio. We'll have Jeff joining us in a couple of minutes, and then uh, hopefully uh, maybe Nathan shortly after. Um, trigger warning, this is going to be really fucking intense, but I, I am completely, completely furious with with the state of this franchise. I, I, I was watching the game actually with some buddies, some Cardinals fans in a bar, and, and, and for some reason, I was actually emotionally dead three and a half quarters through, but I chose to leave two minutes left in the game. And I know the offense had the ball. I know they had an opportunity, but something was just bubbling up inside of me. Everything is fucking pathetic right now. Everything is fucking pathetic. I don't have confidence in any single player, leader, executive, coach, owner, Anybody involved in this football team right now, I don't have confidence in anybody. I don't have confidence in Pete Carroll. I don't have confidence in John Schneider. I don't have confidence in Ken Norton. I don't have confidence in Shane Waldron. I don't even have confidence that Russell Wilson should be the starting quarterback uh, several years from now. We, we all have our opinions on, on what we need to do, you know, uh, rebuilding-wise, trade-wise, setting us up for the future. But the bottom line is this. This is fucking pathetic. This is fucking pathetic. They are too talented, both in player personnel, 
even the coaching staff, this is not a bottom half of the league coaching staff. This is unacceptable. They're too good to be performing like this. This is a fucking joke. I'm tired of the fake optimism. I'm tired of the rah-rah-rah. They're going to get it together in the second half of the year. No, they're fucking not. No, they're fucking not. This is a garbage football team. I do not feel confident in their future moving forward whatsoever. This is completely pathetic. I, um, I knew it would come to an end, but I didn't envision it would end like this. And that's hard. That's hard for me to admit. So, Brian, my head is in so many different places. I'm sorry you had to witness that game in person for three and a half, four hours. I know you saw the Colt McCoy bullshit last year as well. Um, how are you, Brian? Well, I'm sitting here in my uh, – so apologies for the audio quality, but um, I was nodding my head, man. I, I, I feel you. There, it is totally appropriate to feel that level of frustration, you know, during this season and after that. Uh, there wasn't a lot of positives there. Um, and I think the one thing that we started to be able to have hope about was the defense. We'll talk about it, but like, it's a good, this debate, <laughs> maybe it's a terrible debate about which side of the ball was more disappointing today. A defense playing against Colt McCoy, you know, no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Chase Edmonds, uh, you know, they happened to see after we're missing their two starting corners. So I think that's a big deal, but I think the Cardinals made most of their yards against Jordan Brooks and the linebacker crew. So I don't know if the starting corners would have made that big of a difference or was the offense more disappointing going against one of the best defenses in the NFL, but having Russell Wilson, who, I don't think health had anything to do with it to what we saw today. He looked fine. He looked fine. He looked like Russell, but he looked I, like I don't think he looked Russell quarterback. I mean, tell me what 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 stood out to you? Like at least from what I, he looked like he was throwing like he normally does. I didn't notice anything finger related in that game. Yeah, there was only like one throw I think to to Everett I think in the end zone that sailed on him. And that looked like it may have been finger related, but I, I think this, this argument is worthless and trivial because both sides of the ball were fucking garbage today. <laughs> like, like, like this is pathetic. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the like, thing though. I mean, yeah. Like great. One side is shittier than the other. They're fucking garbage. Everybody is playing. Can you name a single player on this football team outside of, maybe Trey Brown, who you believe is surpassing their expectations for the season. Who the fuck is leading well, this I would team? say Trey Brown and DJ Reed when they're playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, this, it, 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 it's, yeah. Sorry if I'm breaking up. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, I'm actually bringing Jeff into the call as we speak. We'll see if this Canadian internet actually lets him join. But um, I just the, – the problem is, Brian, I just don't have – I'm desperately trying to search for a reasonable argument for hope moving forward. 
I'm, I'm really fucking trying. But I, I, I can't buy into it. I just can't. Um, is there a case for optimism here? Is it, it, Jeff, fuck. Jeff, I'm bringing you in. What's going on? <sighs> Talk to me, Jeff. Um, it's one thing to be bad. It's also much worse to be bad and boring. And frankly, I think that game encapsulated a lot of our feelings on where this regime is. And I know the playoff odds were really dependent on this game. And I was dreading this game all day, frankly, for, I thought either two things would happen. I thought either they would win and everyone would be like, well, it was Colt McCoy and no Hopkins or what would happen was going to happen. And today was the bottom falling out of this regime. I don't think there is any optimism moving forward because you almost want the season to just be fast forward at this point. That game was rough to watch. Me and you, Evan, were texting the whole game how we wanted to turn the game off. And not only are they fucking bad, not only are they fucking pathetic, they're uninteresting. That's what I mean. You can be bad, but to be bad and dull and boring. And like, I just think, I think you have to come to reality at this point. Like, there's no way you can just move forward with Pete Carroll anymore. I think today was a perfect. And to me, the biggest question now is Russell Wilson. Yeah, because it's been a hard guy to he's the worst third down quarterback in the NFL this year. I know we've none of us have liked what we've seen from Shane Waldron. Mm -hmm. Russell's played like shit. Uh, so that I know there's gonna be a narrative that they need to get Russell away from this. Russell's a big part of what's going on here on offense. But we had all this optimism building up for the defense. <sighs> and if you can't if you let Colt McCoy look like Tom Brady, you just the whole the whole thing just goes out the window and they just look pa too passive on defense again they play too they sit back they hope for the guy to make mistakes they don't play aggressive cliff kingsbury kicked Pete carroll's ass today they had the perfect offense to crush this defense and it's just more of the same bullshit we've seen year after year and frankly again this is the bottom coming out on this team like this is the end of this year i, I don't think there's anything that can solve this where the fuck did we go from here? I think you're, the, the question becomes, I think you just have to look to the offseason at this point. And I think you have to see, do they fire Pete? Do they let Pete stay and agree to trade Russell? Because the Pete-Russell match is just not working. Uh, Shoddy did a, looks like he did a pretty good job keeping this thing together and gluing. Because at the end of 2017, there was a lot of questions about whether those two could coexist anymore. Shoddy came and he really tightened up Russell's game. And now we're, we're just looking like we're looking at a declining player. And again, obviously it's hard to find a quarterback and a lot of people's instincts will be, okay, maybe we do what Aaron Rodgers did, see if it works with a new coach, a different system, but there's going to be a lot of questions asked. So going forward, you, you just almost got to wait till the off season. Do you know what the time of possession ended up being? It was like 42 to 18 or something. Seattle ended up with 19 minutes in 38 seconds. Yeah. And it's been the same shit all year. It's, it's a horrible look for the offense. They, they're last in the NFL plays. You know what? I, I need to say something actually real quick now that you reminded me of, of this. And I need, to, I need to go on to this for a little bit. And this is going to yeah, be a little sure. uncomfortable. If DK Metcalf is going to fucking bitch about not getting opportunities, not getting you know, attempts thrown his way, and then Russell gives him opportunities like he did today, make a fucking play. Make a fucking play. You claim to be an all-pro. You claim to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. I don't doubt you have that ability. 
but show the fuck up when it matters if you're going to bitch publicly like that. He's not. No, and it's not just him. And it's, it perfectly sums up where this team is. Jamal Adams, that guy doesn't stop talking. And how many times with the, just the game on the line takes that pass interference penalty, gets beat in coverage. He seems like a front runner. So him and DK are like two of the core players of this team. I think you're right. I think it's an awful look. And it sums up where this team is, where they're more, they're more bark than bite at this point. And they talk so much fucking trash. They talk they, so much fucking shit. Like they're like they're the top of the NFL, like they were in 2013, 2014 right now. Nobody fears them. Oh no. Nobody they, fears them. They're a fucking joke. They're a pushover. Look at their body language. There's no fire under this team. Yeah, and that's and they're gonna I see it already coming from some of the national reporters that they're a punchline at this point. There's there's people saying, okay, Pete needs to go. Okay, Russell needs to be traded. The this roster sucks. Like as much as that might annoy people, it's hard to disagree with a lot of those points because today that's why today today was the bottom falling out of this team. It's a lot of people have been saying this has been coming for years with the drafting or the coaching mm-hmm. or the weird roster decisions, but today it all came out. Colt McCoy embarrassed them for the second year in a row, and they they had a chance to get back in that game as much as it didn't matter. Sixteen thirteen, they let Colt McCoy drive ninety yards on them. And it's yeah, but you gotta you gotta at least acknowledge that the defense for the entire season, let alone this game, was out there the whole time. Oh and the, yeah, the that difference was for t- the difference for today was that the defense was part of the problem because they were giving up some third down conversions. And I thought Ken Norton, you know, they had a really bad game plan in this game uh, and how they tried to approach McCoy. But the defense pretty much held them in check the entire second half. And the offense didn't do jack shit until the game was pretty much over. So I I, like, I don't, I don't walk away saying that that Cliff Kingsbury and Colt McCoy like destroyed the Seahawks. I mean, it took them till the very end of the game to score what 26 points or whatever. I'm not saying that anyone should be happy about how the defense played, but I, I don't look at this and be like, oh, yeah, the defense was atrocious. I think I look at the offense and I say, yeah, the offense was atrocious. Like, and it wasn't just the players. I mean, you guys named it. Pete's fourth down decisions were atrocious again in this game. Uh, you know, the drops the quarterback decisions, the offensive line play. Like, this is part of why, guys, I know everyone just thinks I'm crazy about it, but, like, I don't think – like, I think Russell Wilson has shown and proven – like, the reason you keep Russell is because you believe that you can have a higher floor with a franchise quarterback. Like, you won't – you'll be a good team with that franchise quarterback, even if you have to rebuild a little bit around him. Russ is showing you what the floor looks like with him when he's got some decent talent around him. So, so uh, to me, so, uh, I, I don't believe that, that this team is – there's so much that they need to do. I think the team needs as many young draft picks and as much cap space to spend on fixing this roster as possible. I don't think they can afford to have a $40 million quarterback who is, frankly, not one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Yeah, and I, brought, I don't know if you heard my intro. I don't know if you were with us. I, I said essentially the same thing. So 
I think that's the biggest question about how they fix this whole thing now, because it was a lot easier in the past years where it was clear that Russell was playing well and some of the conservative coaching was holding this team back. But the offense has been just the whole roster. The question to me is now, I think Brian makes a good point. I'm, I'm more open to that side than I would have been three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Just the big question is who's the one making these draft picks? Because can we keep trusting that this, these guys to put another roster together? It, there's so many questions right now. And I do think Brian makes a good point because I've been wondering for a while now how Russell's game is going to age. So uh, Pete Carroll just walked out, out in the middle of this presser, said I'm done. Um, just walked straight out. I'm done. That might be a precursor. That might be foreshadowing. I mean, I, I think there's a chance he's done. Like, yeah. and, and so be it, you know, like I, I said after the Titans game, and I say now, like, I think just like you opened Evan, there is a case to be made that every single person involved in that organization should be turned over. Yeah. That it's time. It's time yeah. to sow the, like, to, to till the field, so to speak. That is like getting a, a hand, a, you know, in black, in uh, poker and saying, putting all five cards back. I want a fresh hand. And it might just be time for that because, look, like, it's not going to be an easy rebuild. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be quick. I, I don't think it will be. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I it's it's tough it's frustrating it's, it's definitely frustrating uh, did we hear anything more about trey brown it, it, how the bad teller he was the teller attendant oh. no yeah i don't know what that means but those are the quotes i'm seeing on twitter no that's really bad wow yeah just a disastrous day all around it's, but yeah i think there's been a lot of people thinking that Pete's look beaten down this year and that press conference does not help that narrative because it's just the whole thing just looks broken right now. And I, I think today just signaled that the Pete John Russell era is not going to, this is done. It's not going to keep going. We don't know which side it's going to take over, but I think today was the final straw. Well, I, I meant what I said earlier. Um, and I was even texting some of Russell's guys, this, like, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I'm not confident in saying Russell should be the quarterback of this franchise in two to three years from now. I'd like Why to do see you say him. that his, like he, I've seen enough from him to think that I don't think he's going to materially progress as a quarterback anymore. I think right now it's about scheming around his faults and I'm not sure we have the best coaching staff in town to do that. I'm not saying we can't win a Super Bowl with him. Obviously we can. I think he can bring us. I think he can drag us there, but I don't think we have the coaching staff needed to to scheme around him, frankly. That's the thing though, and that's one of the things that's changed for me. I don't think he can drag us there. I think he can be part of a Super Bowl team. He's already proven he can be part of a Super Bowl team. I think he's a clutch player. I think he can make big explosive plays, but I think he needs a good running game and I think he needs a good defense. And he might need and a you know what? running game. You may be place. right, Brian. You may be right. But I still have a part of me that wants to see him with a different coaching staff. I really do. Well, 
but but you know what's true there? Yeah, that that's totally fine. My bet is Seahawks fans want to say that he's been under the same coaching staff his whole tenure because no, Pete Carroll's been the saying. coach. He's had multiple very different o- OCs during that time, and he's looked like pretty much the same player, like the same faults show up, and it's like sacks. Like sacks are a QB stat, right? Sure. And they're going to come where they come. The play today where he throws to Gerald Everett on second down at the goal line, and DJ Dallas is like directly in yeah. front of him with nobody in between them for an easy first down but he takes the harder throw. It's like, that's Russ. And, and I love him. I, I would love for him to continue being our quarterback. I honestly would. I know people probably don't believe that, but I would only want him to stay if he's going to be willing to be part of the team and not be the team. He is not that guy. He is not the guy that can demand, build this team around me, like optimize me and we'll win. He is not that guy. I think that's pretty clear at this point. This is so fucking pathetic. Yeah. What? <sighs> Did you guys envision we'd be having this conversation at the beginning of the year? Or, or let me put it this way. How high of a possibility do you, did you think that this year could, could go really poorly? I, I thought coming into the year after what happened in the offseason, this was a strong possibility. Mm-hmm. Um we knew some of the flaws on the roster, but to me, it's the stuff with Russell. That's, that's been the biggest eye opener. And I know the common conclusion will be it's Pete Carroll's fault. And a lot of what's going on with the roster is Pete should be responsible, but the Russell stuff has been really eye opening and everything Brian just talked about. I think it's hard not to come to that conclusion right now where he isn't getting better at this point and his limitations are holding the offense back in a lot of ways, just decision-making. Today wasn't the thumb injury, and today wasn't some of the stuff we saw last week. It's the Gerald Everett play. It was a great call. I think that's exactly – so I think Russell gets off so easy in a lot of this conversation. I saw, like, Ross Tucker just come out and say, Russell Lee deserves to go to a better team, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think he's been as much a part of the issues of why the team is having so few plays on offense and why the team is so disjointed offensively. And – He's the worst, I think, the worst third-down quarterback in the NFL this year. And Matt Hasselbeck says every week, that's the number one way to judge a quarterback, third-down play and inside the 20s. And he just looks like a rudimentary player on third-down this year. And to me, that's the biggest eye-opener. To answer your question, Evan, that was not a conversation I ever expected happening. Brian, I have a very simple question for you. Do you have confidence in this organization's ownership group to lead us in the right direction. Oh, no, no way. No way. And, and that's not because I'm sure they won't, but we have no information about how they make decisions at this point. Like there's no, anyone that says, yeah, we have absolute confidence. We don't know Jody. We, we don't know anything that she's built in her life or decisions she's made. Uh, Bert Cold, who's a good guy and, you know, good was a good friend of Paul Allen's. He's been involved in a lot of these decisions with the Blazers and the Seahawks in the past. You know, I give give him some hope there. Like maybe he's part of the solution, but there's not a Todd Lewicki there. Todd Lewicki was part of who brought Pete Carroll in. And I don't know. No, I I do not. And um, I – 
I think that's part of why you asked about beginning the season. I had this just dread heading into this year. Like I haven't had about a Seahawks season in a long time. And you I did. couldn't really identify. I did. I couldn't really identify it. And then it became really clear to me. It was like, oh yeah, because this is a precipice year. Like this is like, this isn't a year where it's going to like, if it goes bad, it'll just be okay. It'll snowball. Like all the pieces were in place for this to just turn into a disaster if it went the wrong way. And so, and, and, and the ceiling didn't feel that high. So it felt like a low floor, low ceiling kind of season. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think what we've got. And I don't know that there's any reason, I think that's what we're all feeling now, why there's any reason to think it's going to be different in the next few years, regardless of what you do. I know the conversations all around Pete Carroll and Russell and, you know, the defense underperforming and the offense underperforming. But I think somebody who gets lost in the conversation here is John Schneider. I think he deserves to lose his job more than maybe anybody else involved with this team, frankly. And, and Jeff, I'll let you jump in here just because I know you have some opinions on it. Um, I think it's fair. I think that's totally fair. If you look at the personnel, um, it's easily one of the worst parts of the team right now is how hopeless they look at points. But I still think Pete Carroll should be looked at much more than John Schneider. Um, It's very hard to isolate the decisions John makes versus Pete. I know Brian has a pretty good idea of how that relationship works, but a lot of John's decisions are building players to fit Pete's vision. And Brian talks about it all the time that everything football related comes back to Pete. And you see a team that has a bad offensive line again. You see a team that defensively, they don't have a front four again. And their pass rush is a problem again. And we look at John, he's the guy doing personnel. And we, he's by all indications making these draft picks. But yeah, the, the personnel decisions, I think this is a lot of the things we're talking about here is just years in the making of how many times have we talked about their drafts How many times did we talk about last year's pass rush decision, a lot of the cornerback decisions? I think the two of them should be tied together. It's hard for me to say that, like, John Schneider should lose his job and then Pete Carroll should be back because all of John's picks, and we saw with, like, Les Snead with the Rams, his drafting and approach became very different once he went from McVay to Fisher, or Fisher to McVay. And it's the same GM, but their their, their total team changed under that head coach. So I think John Schneider – sometimes gets a hard time from fans. Well, certainly the drafts have not gone well, but all of the decisions are met to fit Pete's vision of how he wants to build a roster. And frankly, that to me is the biggest problem with this whole team right now. Jeff, what's your, what's your stance on the ownership group? Same question I asked Brian, but to you. It's, it's, I'm, I'm just so hard to put our finger on. We have no knowledge. We have no, Brian mentioned it. I did a story when I was still writing sports and I interviewed off the record. Todd Lightwicky. He his brother was working in Toronto, so I had a, a connection to them. And Lightwicky was telling me about how they got Pete in the first place. And his brother was in LA with him at USC, and they were doing a lot of the work. And that was a Paul Allen driven thing. He always wanted big name coaches, and he was the one who decided to move on from Jim Mora. Lightwicky hated doing that at first, but he's the one who identified Pete Carroll. We don't know anything about this front office. We saw what happened with the Portland Trailblazers coaching search and. Brian will know a lot more about that than me, Um, but it's impossible for me to have an opinion, but it's hard to know if it's Burt Cole. Is it Jody? Is it Pete mentioned that, that he, she's been mostly meeting with John and they had a mid season meeting. 
But I, I can't have an opinion. To me, that's the biggest concern about the franchise moving forward. Evan, I think you mentioned that this week. Um, people don't talk about that. And I, I've been talking about it for two years, frankly, when all that peak talk comes up. But who's the one making this decision? Because we can have all these opinions about Pete and John and Russell. Those people are the one who have to pull the plug. And Lightwicky is the one who pulled the plug on Mora in the first place. So it's such an unanswered question. It's impossible for me to put my finger on. Pete Carroll preaches. But, sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, no, finish. go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like Pete Carroll preaches accountability. John Schneider preaches accountability. Russell Wilson preaches accountability. Who is showing all three of those folks accountability? Who, who are they accountable to? I want to fucking know. Well, Evan, I mean, I think that's one of the big storylines. There's all this joking and memeing about accountability on Seahawks Twitter. I actually, we already know that Pete's accountability is, is not, it's not there without Paul Allen, as far as, as far as I'm concerned, it has to be proven. I don't believe it's there. I don't think Pete has held Russ accountable. <laughs> I think that, I think we've got this completely upside down all these years that Pete's been holding Russ back. I think Pete has lost himself trying to placate Russ and build things around Russ. He is not an offensive coach. He has no fucking idea what he's doing on offense, as far as I'm concerned but he's drafting nine receivers over the last few years and like getting every friend that Russ wants on the team or trying to, at least like he's, I think he's lost his way. And, and Schneider, I agree with what Jeff said. Here's the thing. Like Schneider has had specific traits or approaches to the draft. He, very has very low value for a low first round pick. He will always trade those, trade those back. He will always try to accumulate more picks. If you go back and you look at the times that Schneider has moved back and what they've done with those additional picks they've acquired versus the players that they passed on in order to move back. It's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty picture. And I mean, hell, if you just look, I was thinking about writing an article, but I've been too lazy to do it. If you just look at who the Cardinals have drafted, in the position where the Seahawks were, or if, if they if they could have just taken Buda Baker instead of Malik McDowell, if they'd taken Byron Murphy instead of LJ Collier, like there there's just these really clear points where I think Schneider has prioritized need over best player available. That's one of his things that he does. And I think that's really ended up being a low ceiling talent approach. And it, it's a flaw. It's a flaw. Even with that, of the three of them, I would be most comfortable with John Schneider sticking around, of the three of them. I would be, if John Schneider could pick a new coach, I think that there's a lot of GMs that are clearly worse than John Schneider. I trust John Schneider. I do. I don't always trust his draft, but I trust his work ethic, how he thinks, for the most part, compared to the other two. That would be the one guy I would keep. But I wouldn't be totally upset if they just blew the whole thing up. I don't know what the fuck else to talk about, guys. This is exhausting. The Trey, the Trey Brown thing is a big deal because, honestly, you asked for what's the optimistic thing. <clears throat> I still think that, like, yeah, this was a disappointing performance by the defense, but I feel like the defense has been good, not just okay, but I think they've been good for most of this season. And Trey Brown was a huge part of that. 
And if you actually, if you look at the, the way the Seahawks defense played and a lot of their numbers before Richard Sherman played, and then when he came off the bench and started in 2011, midway through that season, I think there's a lot of the same types of trends happening when Trey Brown entered, not to say he was going to be Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. but he was playing at a really elite level. And I think having a real impact on this defense and I I'm still out there as like maybe the only guy that I'm not on the Jamal Adams is terrible train. I still think Jamal Adams and, and Quandre Driggs have been playing well at safety. So I feel like there's some of those things where you add a pass rush to that defense, like a legitimate pass rush. I think that's a good defense. And then you're just talking. And I think you've got really good receivers and then I think what you're really talking about is an offensive line, you know, get a running game going. And then all of a sudden I think you're a decent team. So I think there's a path there, but unlike, I think most people, I'm not interested in, I'm not as interested in getting an offensive coach and trying to get a few more years out of Russell Wilson. And then three years later, realizing he's 35, 36, and he's not worth anything at that point trade wise. I want a defensive coach and someone who's going to build around offensive and defensive line. Like that's what I personally want. I believe, I, I believe the trenches is what wins in the NFL and you have a good enough quarterback. Like, I don't think you need, I mean, I would love to have uh, you know, Tom Brady or Drew Brees or whoever, but I think the Seahawks need a, a much more physical roster than they have right now. They're just, they're pushovers for the most part, um, especially on offense. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. That's that's yeah. where I'm at. I don't think you need a defensive coach or an offensive coach or even a, some of the best coaches in the NFL are special teams coach. But I think your second sure. point – I think your second point hits it on the head. I think they've built this team the wrong way. And an offense – I've said it all, all the time now. It's If you want to build a team that – when Pete Carroll got here, they were – him and John came together and they – they want a team that looked like the Ravens and Steelers from the past decade and not the ones we realized with Lamar Jackson. We're talking about the Ray Lewis, uh, Jerome Bettis kind of team. And I, but before they got Russell, that's the roster they had. They obviously hit on way more defensive players than they planned to, but they were dominant and they were physical and they were fast. And now they've had these two receivers on offense. Their money on defense is with a linebacker and a safety. And both players are good. Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner are good players, but they've just built their team improperly. And you look at what consistently wins in the NFL all the time. It's having a quarterback and having a line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that's what the good teams do. And the Seahawks right now don't have any of the three. They're not a good enough pass rushing team. Their offensive line sucks and their quarterback is not playing well. And that's why you see a team that's three and seven. I'll tell you one more thing, Evan, and then we we can wrap if you want, but. The other reason for hope is because they're playing as badly as they are like, because there just has to be change. If, if they end up like with a <laughs> nine and eight record or something like that, that would be the worst outcome. I, I would enjoy it. Cause I want to, wa- I want to watch them win. I, I will always, and people get this twisted. I will always, always, always cheer for the Seahawks to win. I will never cheer for them to lose ever. But if you really are standing back, not getting emotionally attached and you're looking at the big picture, the best thing for this franchise is change. The worst thing for this franchise is status quo. And whatever you think that change needs to be, 
there's good arguments for any of it, but there is not a good argument for staying the course with this team. That's that's what gives me some hope. I texted Evan that exactly during the game. That was so well articulated. I feel like I just sat through a sermon for 30 seconds. (laughs) Brian, that was amazing. We We got to quote that that shit. (laughs) That's funny because I I have a buddy in Toronto who's a Seahawks fan. He was freaking out that they were losing this game. And I said, like, this isn't the worst thing. Like, you're the one who complains to me about how they need to fire their coach or fire their GM or trade this guy. I think this game is exactly what leads you to that rather than I think the worst thing for this team, as Brian said, is false hope. I, I would take it a step further, Brian. I was actively rooting for them to lose. And I'll tell you why. Yes. And I'll tell you why I want to win fucking championships. I want to win fucking super bowls. That's what I want our franchise to do. And on their current trend, a mediocre resulting season does not get us back there. You're 100% correct. Change needs to happen. Change is the best precursor to winning another championship. So, you you know, anybody that's like, oh, you know, I was ready for them to win and blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. I want to win a fucking championship. I don't want to be comfortable with nine and eight bullshit every single year. I don't want to be comfortable um, not meeting expectations. I don't want to be comfortable with underperformance. That's fucked. That's mediocre bullshit. That's how we that's how we become the Dallas Cowboys of the last 25 years. I don't want to be them. I want to win Super Bowls. I hear I you disagree, dude. but like I want to I want to I'm not I'm not happy. I'm not happy with mediocre results. I'm just not. Are we going to I'm going to be in Arizona, you know, for the game Monday night game next week. Um Am I going to like watch you uh, watch the Seahawks somewhere? Are you, you going to like, you didn't even tell me you were like... going to be in the, in uh, the state, bro. I know. Well, you know, I have to be careful about uh, mixing with you in, in, in public. There's, there's yeah, all man. sorts of bad things. I'm free uh, Monday night. I forgot that they were playing uh, the football, the Washington football team. It says on my actual, on my Google calendar, it says Seahawks at football team. Which is kind of fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, at least at least there'll be one football team on the field. God damn it! <laughs> can there be a stream? If you guys watch together, can there be a stream of this? Oh Jesus! I'd Christ. way rather watch that stream than watch the fucking game. We'll do like a Manning cast. Yeah, if you guys all come <laughs> in as a guest, like yeah, I'll sit in with yeah, you. I don't, I like I'd it. rather watch that than watch the game alone. <laughs> We might have to do something special. And you know, the, the, the people that are the most upset right now is a freaking network that has to broadcast the Seattle Seahawks at the Washington football team on Monday night football. Yeah. That is a trash, trash matchup. They can't flex it out. Is it too late? I don't think they do that with Monday night football games. Do they? Oh, you're, you're probably right. I think it's just yeah. Sunday night football. <laughs> All right, boys. I got to run. Man, this is depressing as fuck. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Dude, Episode 180, dude, through, whatever. We've been through 40 years of Seahawks football ups and downs. We'll be through this, too. It's, it's, oh, no. It's actually kind of good. It's good when people, like, it thins the herd. It gets rid of some of the people that are superficial totally. fans. And then you get to build, build, and building's fun. Building's fun. Anyway, no, I, I, I think uh, what I'm most excited about right now, frankly, is our off-season conversations. 
And I know those might even start sooner than the off season. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. And you can hear us talk about all of it, whether we annoy you or you enjoy listening to us. Thank you for tuning in. Episode 180 something. Don't know what. Uh, Seahawks lose to the Cardinals in Seattle without Kyler Murray and without DeAndre Hopkins. (sighs) Hope you're here for the ride, folks. We'll talk to you next.